Check, check. Welcome check, to, check. Testy. Wait, I have to introduce you. Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I got my brother from another mother back on the pod, hanging, my sidekick, uh, hanging more since the COVID. We can't tour, so and he's forced to hang out with me on the pod. Um, and then <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Adam22, man. Nice to be here. Happy to be here. Thank, Thank you. you for being here, man. This is right fucking on. awesome, man. Um, I tried doing it. Uh, your last name is Grand Mason, mm-hmm. and that means Grand. What did you say, man? I, I said it sounded French. Big house in French. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was right. So you're French. We were talking the other day about how my career trajectory might have been different if I went by Big House. That was like my rap Big style name. Yeah. You know? It's dope. That's the name of our drummer is uh, Casagrange. Yeah. And so oh, really? Like, yeah. And oh, then, shit. So when I was looking at it, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, his last name is very French. I mean, it's funny just think about there being a time when your, your last name would just be this sort of like vague description of what you owned. <laughs> or where you're oh, from. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know like. Oh, yeah. shit. That was your future. Like people whose last name is like blacksmith, and you're like, oh, I guess at some point <laughs> someone was a blacksmith. I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> and then where does 22 come from? I couldn't find that out either. Uh, when I was like 15, someone told me to start a live journal, and uh, they told me to just pick whatever name, and I wrote Adam, and that was taken. And so then I wrote two two after it, and I clicked enter, and that just after that I just kind of always made that my screen name on AOL or mm. whatever, and it just kind of stuck. And I figured it was. Probably more memorable or catchy than Grand Mason. Wow. Grand Mason's pretty dope, though. That's yeah. a hard name. I'm not yeah. mad at it, but yeah. people always act freaked out when they figure it's it Grand out. Grand Mason. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> that's how my teachers in, in school would say it. They'd be like, Mr. Grand Mason. Right. Um, so you're born in New Hampshire? Yep. Nashua, New Hampshire, like five minutes away from the Massachusetts border, like okay. 40 minutes from Boston, like 20 minutes from Manchester, New Hampshire. And how was it growing up there? It was, uh, you know, suburban upbringing, uh, you know, but like when I think about it compared to like a lot of suburban upbringings now, it's like, you know, we, we definitely spent a lot of time just like outside riding yeah. bikes, playing fucking games in the street and just yeah. like hanging out in the woods and getting into all kinds of trouble and stuff. Your brother and sisters? I have a sister's three years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. Were you guys tight growing up? We not so much, you know. Yeah. We, we we were always like, all right, we're we're tight now, we're cool yeah. now. But uh, she definitely kind of, you know, we weren't exactly on the same page. I remember one year I went into her room and she had an NSYNC poster on the wall, and then I didn't <laughs> I didn't go up there again for like a year, and then I went up there and she had a Fall Out Boy poster on the wall, and I was just like, oh fuck, you're like growing up out here while I'm just kind of ignoring <laughs> your your existence, yeah. <laughs> So you guys, so you did a lot of shit outside. We all did shit outside back. There was no phone. There was none of this shit. Every dude. day, every day outside, skating, all right, that shit. Bike, you know, riding BMX or whatever. And we're lucky to have grown up in that time. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I think about it with my kid too. I'm like, would I let my kid just sort of like pedal or bike around the neighborhood at like ten, or like just, about that. just kick it, yeah, like just go hang that. out by the school or some it's, shit, which is what was totally normal for me to do as a kid. You it's know? so you different too, when you become yeah. a parent too, man. Yeah. You see the world so different, man. We're all dads Especially here, but like, now, right, yeah, yeah, just like everything you did growing up, and then all of a sudden you have a baby. It's like fucking. Crazy Sometimes stuff. I wonder if the world's actually that much more dangerous now, or if we just have the internet, so we're like more in tune with the idea of like you know something bad happening to a kid. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it's interesting. Yeah. Were your parents strict and shit like that or no? Uh, reasonably, you know, like I definitely like they had me on a, a, a semi decent schedule, but I was kind of like a fuck up from like early on. I was just always like getting in tons of trouble in school and I, but I was always like obsessed with like different things like comic books, video games, wrestling. Like I would just kind of oscillate between these like different interests and get super into them. But I was always like very much, I, even when I look at like me as a kid, I would gravitate towards 
the media side of things. Like mm. I was into comic books, but I was more into reading the comic book magazine wizard at the time mm. okay. or, or like, you know, I liked video games, but I would like be really trying to like scrape for every bit of information I could get on like how video games were made and like the people involved in it and stuff. Wow. When I think about that, that really kind of like informs what I think I went on to do where it's like, I'm kind of like, more into like talking to people about their craft than even just the craft, you know, like yeah, I kind of yeah, yeah. more into the interview than the album a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so how were you in school? Were you, were you focused? Did you like school and shit? I, yeah, I, I school never really made any sense to me, like, which is weird now. Cause when I look at it now, I would love to just like study <laughs> and just like, mm. you know, I would love to like turn off my whole life and just like go to college for a year. That sounds super tight. But as a kid, <laughs> it made no fucking sense to me. I wasn't interested. Couldn't pay me to fucking pay attention in class. Like it was really, when I look at it now, I'm like, damn, like I, I had a great opportunity to like, you know, do well in school, but I just didn't really like seize upon it at all. And I was just... I couldn't focus on anything that wasn't like the shit that I was passionate about, you know? Yeah. Were you into skateboarding and shit too? I got into BMX oh, yeah, at uh, yeah. 13. Yeah. Uh, before that, I had like a mountain bike for like a year or two and like slowly started to realize that like there was a scene of, you know, dudes who are maybe a couple of years older than me who would hang out in downtown Nashua and just ride around and stuff and got a BMX bike, literally would just start to follow those dudes around like when they were out <laughs> riding and stuff and they just sort of like slowly begrudgingly like accepted me and would like give me a hard time because i was young and i'm fat and i i remember <laughs> one time i showed up and i had a backpack on and they're like what's in your backpack and i was like fuck uh you know i, I don't want to show you like i was just like I, I lied i said like oh it's my school books or some shit <laughs> and, but the truth was that i had magic cards in my backpack Aww. because i was fucking with magic cards at the time and, and i was playing you know i probably had comic books too at that time but i was like <laughs> You know, they would just make fun of me so bad for playing Magic, and I was just like, "Fuck!" Like, what kind of bike did you have? You remember? I had a Schwinn Powermatic to start, and then I had a bunch of S and M's and volumes and stuff like that. Sort of like late '90s era BMX companies, ah, okay. yeah. So I sort of missed out on like all the GTs and okay. Dinos and right, Haros right. that a yeah. lot of people remember. I was a little bit too late for that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you know you know about BMX? Yeah, yeah. That's how I was. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, there was an enemy in the '80s. Like we had a, we had a quarter pipe. That Rusty made, and we had an anti sign through a BMX that no BMXers. What the? Because early '80s, it was like beef, like skateboarders mm -hmm. versus wow. BMXers. Yeah, it was a thing, right? Like it was I don't definitely know. a thing. Uh, Maybe I started in Thrash and we copied it, but like yeah, I think it was, it, 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 was. It, was like, it was like the scooter versus skaters now. Wow, was it really that diverse? I mean, like, it seemed like in the '80s. I don't same. know. It's still like that in a lot of places too, especially because like the skaters will say that the BMX is like damaging the pool coping and okay. shit. Right, right. Eggs, you know. I mean, scooters, I understand because that's just whack. I don't Oh yeah, I think that's whack. <laughs> um, all right, so back, so you, so were your parents strict about school and grades like that? Did they want wanted you to do something or college or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, they definitely like wanted me to be a certain type of kid and just like you know do well in school, do sports. They they were like. You know, making me play basketball, but then like literally, <laughs> I want to play fucking Donkey Kong Country in my room, or like, or like draw, or like, you know, I was just yeah. like a very like creative, artistic, yeah, artistic kid. And my parents, I like when I look back at it, I'm like, they didn't understand what they were dealing with because to them, it only made sense that a kid is gonna, you know, play a sport or be obsessed with school or whatever. Like, they just didn't get that. Like, me going and riding bikes with my friends was something that it would be better for them to sort of like facilitate You're it safer, and, and, yeah you know like like you yeah. should like if if my kid were into some random thing like some random hobby sport whatever i would want to you know lean into it and shit and I, I think that like didn't make sense to my parents when i was right. a kid 
Yeah. They're coming from a different generation. But also I'm back sure. then skateboarding was just something fun you do and now it's like fucking Olympics and even BMX yeah, too. Like back yeah, then it's like a hobby, yeah. like ride your bike. But it kept you out of trouble, obviously. Yeah, it also got me a lot of trouble because yeah, yeah. we would just be out like doing graffiti and like mm. smashing shit and like getting into fights randomly and shit. So it was, was kind of like a bad thing as well. But, you know, I, I, the, the graffiti thing was the thing that got me real fucked up when I was a kid because I got arrested like a couple times for spray paint shit like when I was like 16. Yeah. And I the BMX thing is kind of what saved me because I loved graffiti so much at that, even at that young age, like – I had this whole fucking weird scam thing going on where we had like an amazing train yard in Nashua. And then there were all these dudes talking on like the message boards at the time, like graffiti dudes from Boston and shit. And I would actually go and meet up with them and hang out with them and like bring them to my train yard to paint and shit. And these wow. dudes are like in their thirties. You remember that band, the anniversary? Yeah. One time I was painting with this dude spec who is like a Boston legend that like got caught like a few years ago and he was in the anniversary oh, and shit. I'm like tweaking out, like losing my mind. Like I cannot believe I'm doing graffiti with this dude who's in a band that I actually fuck with because I'm like 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then yeah. like I got caught a couple of times and like, I basically had to just quit doing graffiti, which killed me at the time. But I was like, I'm also obsessed with this BMX shit and I'm just yeah. going to like keep getting in trouble. Like it's not worth it. So I just fell out. And when I think about it now, I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking going out and doing all this graffiti in a town with a population of like 80,000 and you don't even have a car and you're riding your bike everywhere. Like you were just like a sitting duck to get caught, obviously. But wow. What was your your name? Would you write? What was your graffiti name? I had a couple, but I was, I was own. I was eat. Own eat. Okay. Those, I switched it up between those. I think a bit. I think eat, <laughs> eat and then own. Yeah. We were my two names. And then did you, um, did you want to be a professional BMXer at any point? I wanted to, but honestly, I was never really like that good at riding. So I kind of like focused on like filming and like, you know, just writing about BMX riding, which at first was just me being on message boards and shit, just like talking about like a new video comes out. And so, you know, I would just be talking about it with people and arguing about it. And then, (laughs) um, you know, I'm filming and everything, too. And that's why I moved to New York when I was like 21. And because I tried to go to college for a couple of years and like didn't really have any luck, like wasn't feeling it. And I was I was doing credit card fraud at the time as well. I got Jesus. into that. I was getting a shoplifting credit card fraud. Somehow at some point I'm talking about like stopping doing graffiti to stay out of trouble. But it didn't take that long before I was just like, oh, fuck, like I can make money this easy. So I just started to like get into that shit more. But then at the same time, I moved to New York to like stop doing that when I was 21. Grow up a little bit. Exactly. And, and uh, but because I wanted to be like a BMX filmer and make videos and stuff. I move out there within like two weeks. I fucking thrashed my back super bad. Like I hurt my lower back really fucking bad. So I started playing online poker and kind of did nothing but that for like two or three years. And, but at the same time, I was just like spending mad time online and sort of realized that like blogs were about to take over. Like I realized that before anybody else in BMX, because I was also obsessed with hip hop. So I'm paying attention to like now, right. And two dope boys and all these different blogs and shit. And then at a certain point I realized like, Oh, I can do this for BMX. So I start this website and I just fucking start running ads on it. All of a sudden, like within like six months or a year, I had everybody in BMX paying attention to what I was talking about because I was living in New York, the whole industry is on the West coast. So I'm just talking shit, totally just like having an opinion on shit, which doesn't really happen in BMX that much. So (laughs) that was kind of like the next 10 years of my life, to be honest. At some point I moved out to, uh, to, and sorry for like encapsulating all this like real quick, but (laughs) so the come up was the website, right? The come come up up, was the BMX website, right? But then, but then I moved like that was going good. But then around like 2010, I moved out to long beach 
and you know, was still doing the BMX website and we we're doing my clothing brand on some shit and yeah. just making videos. I started to like really realize the power of social media started like really going out of my way to grow all my socials for the BMX side of things. Um, and then at a certain point I realized like, Oh fuck, like I'm going to start doing podcasts in like 2014 or some shit. Like yeah. I was like, all right, so I'm going to start interviewing all these BMX pros and different company owners and stuff. Got super into that. But then at the same time, got into interviewing rappers and shit and then realized that I had like the ability to interview all these underground rappers that I was in tune with, yeah. but that like nobody else was really paying attention to in terms of like content. So yeah. then I just kind of went all in on that at some point. Yeah. And then like, well you went, to, so yeah, so the, this guy named uh, Xavier Wolf, that's the one who went viral first, right? That was the first rapper I ever interviewed and it did way bigger numbers than any, uh, BMX interview that I had done at that time, which is actually kind of crazy because he's totally irrelevant now. Um, wow. But uh, yeah, we, we, we got issues. But uh, <laughs> that uh, but uh, that was my first one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, and then take it back more. But I also also know you come from you know about the punk and hardcore world too as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Actually, sure you went to shows at the Palladium in Worcester, all that shit. And yeah, I remember I saw like I think my first time at the Palladium was Cradle of Filth in like '97, <laughs> and uh, you like them? That was uh, I like old the guys. School shit. Yeah, old yeah. School, yeah. But then by the time like '99 rolls around, I was going to fucking uh, fuck. Was it like Friends Fest or some shit? Oh, like, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Blood yeah. for Blood was headlining. There was a kid whose name I can't remember, but he died in a pit. Damn. at a show in mass and they would have like these memorial concerts for him yeah. and shit and that's like i love blood for blood already at that point even when i was like 15 i was super into like punk and hardcore and metal and shit in general and i went to that show and all this i'm like up front trying to sing along and shit and all of a sudden i like turn around and there's like 10 fucking dudes with shaved heads beating the fuck out of everybody with like acronyms wow. on their shirts and shit wow. and like it was you know, I, I, that made me like, you know, it sucked that I got punched in the head, but I was like more fascinated by like hardcore and shit at that yeah. point than I had ever been before. Cause I'm like, Oh, there's dudes who are like actually tough as fuck here. Like this is, you know, it just yeah. blew my fucking mind, you know? Yeah. We earth crisis fan too. Huge. Strife. Wow, wow. Yes. I could see that for you. Like the metalish harder shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't eat meat for like four years because of fucking oh, shit. Carl. So, you know. <laughs> oh shit. We, we're OG <laughs> vegans right here too. Yeah. With the Carl. OG, Carl's the best shout out to Earth Christ, who still guys. live that way now, man. Hey, respect yeah. to him. Yo, yeah. still live that shit. Damn, you were vegan for yeah. four years, huh? All through high school and shit, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Were you ever straight edge too or not? Uh, I was straight edge till I was like 21, yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. Interesting. Pretty much. You yeah. X'd up and stuff? Uh huh. <laughs> Damn, Adam looks crazy. I miss it, though. That shit was so hard. <laughs> right. It right. just looks so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I was like 18, I would go to shows, though, and like see dudes with X's tattooed on their hands who were like drinking beers. Yeah, and realize like holy fuck like this dude is like 20 and he already sold out like he already mm. went from wow. having exes on, on tattooed on his hands to getting drunk in like a couple years yeah, span yeah. that kind of blew my fucking mind too so Remember, you so you didn't yeah. do anything up until 21 you're pretty much i'm kind of lying because like i i drank like a couple <laughs> times in high school but like like i drank when i was like 13 and i drank when i was like 18 like a few times each but like in between that i like was kind of like privately like I'm straight edge, but okay. like, I kind of fucked up a couple times, but like I was, I really wasn't into it, but I kind of also was like curious enough to try it. Yeah. I wasn't like when I was like 18, I had like the summer after high school where I actually like went out and like drank with my friends a few times and stuff and really like hated it. And at the same time was going to mad hardcore shows. So like yeah. when I was 18 was when I was like, all right, I'm straight edge. And I did, I was straight edge till I was like 22 or something. Yeah. 
And the veganism too, it just wasn't for you. Yeah, I couldn't really rock with it after a while. Yeah. It's, now it's so now it's so different. Like fast forward to now, like fucking yeah, we're in the mecca changed. of veganism, but yeah, it was definitely it's not your life. It was a little different back then, but yeah. Do you still listen to that kind of music or no? Sometimes, like when I first started working out in my gym with my uh, trainer and stuff, like during the pandemic, I would I I was be putting on Slayer every day to work out and listening to Deicide and like all this shit that I used to listen to in Deicide. high school and stuff and. uh but I don't know. I kind of like fell out of it after a while. Like half the time what I'm focused on listening to is just the music for like people I'm about to interview. Yeah. So okay. sometimes I even feel like I'm lost on like what's going on in like mainstream popular rap music because I'm too busy listening to some dude from like 20 years ago because I have to interview <laughs> him, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I, I bounce all over the place, to be honest. I listen to a shitload of like classic rock and like 80s music with my kid and shit now too my kid is like we have a couple of jackson brown songs that she's obsessed nice. with i always liked a lot of like folk music and shit too you know yeah so and what was your first exposure to hip-hop back then like what was some of the stuff you listening to so like when i was East like coast, bro, nine or ten well i was like fascinated with like the west coast first like when i was oh, like wow. nine or ten i just started listening to like snoop or some shit like i just saw a snoop video yeah and just like couldn't believe it. it was like this is the tightest shit ever was completely fascinated by like the gang part of it like mm-hmm. i could just tell that they were like talking about a bunch of shit that i didn't understand so i just got super into it, it would like save all my money to buy like you know rap cassette tapes and shit like that and like i, I feel like i was always a rap fan and a, a punk hardcore whatever fan but then when i was like 16 i think what really made me like shift to being like primarily a rap fan was just like witnessing the jay-z nas battle incredible battle i I felt like that like impacted me so much where i just like realized in that moment how badass rap music was and how many characters there were that i should be paying attention to and so i just kind of like at that point i was just like all in you know started reading double xl and the source every fucking month being like super obsessed with it you know yeah that's fucking awesome that was incredible battle um who do you think won that shit I mean, I I always felt like Jay Z won it. I don't know how much of my like sixteen year old like yeah. mega Jay Z fan. I love them both. That bro. was, but yeah, I mean, I felt like Jay won in that moment. But you know, whatever. It was a incredible moment. Yeah, you were working great. at Fat Farm back then. Yeah, I, remember uh, Fat Farm back then? Oh yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, rewatching all the wires, and I forgot how much you know everyone's wearing Fat Farm. And oh yeah, they like, were, oh, dude. Russell God, had them laced, bro, yeah. back then. Mm. He laced them all up. And I saw you wearing a Snoop Dogg like a velour suit. Maybe he had the velour suits back then. <laughs> right. The oh, wires, yeah. fucking. Yeah. yeah. I, I only saw the wire like maybe two years ago. That's incredible. Watched the whole thing the incredible. whole way through. What did you think? Fucking amazing! It was like the best. You know when you have like a show that you're watching and you're like excited to get home at night so you can sit on the couch and yes. watch it for like three, four hours? Yeah. That was like an amazing part of my life, just watching The Wire like yeah. obsessively. Yeah. yeah, my wife's on that now. We were watching yesterday when they heard the news about Michael. That was Yeah, horrifying. I was just listening to Mark Maron interview him in the car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I was just watching the last episode and I was just like, fuck, and when you told me. And I, was I didn't like, know it was wow. real because Rap Post, I thought he was just giving props to Omar. And then I saw like I was like oh shit he's gone like I mean it's fuck. I mean that that's is, sad man like in his apartment too. It's definitely like one of the best written shows ever. Oh yeah, yeah. hands down. Yeah, um, I would watch the whole thing again. After yeah, I, yeah, I did. I, the rewatch was. You have to even, focus though because there's so much dialogue yeah. and so many characters. And, and I've rewatched it three or four times, and this last rewatch, it, I definitely, I, I always get something new out of it. Mm-hmm. And this time, even more. Even Soprano second watch, yeah. you get new shit too. I rewatched all those, and it was, it was fucking amazing. You know, there's so many things that you miss, 
You know, and, and so I'm, many characters that are so big now too. Incredible characters. Michael B. Jordan, though. right? It's fucking awesome. It's like hard for me to see a random new show on Netflix and watch it and like mm. put like eight hours of my life into that. Right. When <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like, there's like all these shows that are like so important that like you know, like The Wire, Game of Thrones, like all that kind of mm. shit. Like I, I, you know, as much as like it would be nice to like support like underground TV shows, I find myself much more often like I either watch documentaries about random shit that I know nothing about mm-hmm. or I watch like the shows that everybody knows because I'm trying to like be able to have the conversation I guess yeah mm-hmm. catch think, up on it and shit I think the wire what made it stand out was the fact that how relevant it is oh, yeah. you know the writing of it are from you know two guys who work you know detectives you know, so it's like very real. It was believable. And there's real you know, kids in there very, too. And it's real kids and it's very honest. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that really uh, have an impact now that you see with schools, politics, how everything is interconnected. Yeah. And that's what made it. I was like, man, this show is much more than a show. Yeah. It's get, like really you're getting you know, deep right now. And yeah, a lo- so. But a lot of that shit. <laughs> We're used to talking about like how systematic the oppression is for people in these kind of communities now. Right. It's a little bit more of a consistent conversation. I feel like that show was hella ahead of its time. I agree too. In that regard, like you know, really no not doubt. just thinking like, oh, this kid sells crack on the corner, so he's a piece of shit. He yeah. deserves to go to jail. Exactly. Like, no, right. let's actually like really look at the f- the full picture of why that kid ended up doing that. You know, and, yeah, and you yeah. fall in love with those characters yeah. where you're just like, wait, All he's not just. A drug dealer, you know, it's like it, it was more real. I was like, wow, this show is deep, man. 100%. Yeah. yeah. For, even Nolte, even isn't he's in the way, I fucking love him for some reason. I know. And then the main dude is like English. Stringer Bell. Yo, yeah. fucking uh, killed it, bro. I seen him in person backstage at a fest in the UK, and it took everything in me to. To not walk up to him Damn. and be like, "What's up, Stringer?" Because I didn't even know his name at that time. Right. I wanted just... to do that so bad, and I, I held back. I'm like, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Yeah. Don't do it!" Have you? We'll get back to this, but have you ever approached somebody or want? I don't want to say their name, but approached somebody and they were like, kind of herbed you. Like, I don't want to take a picture of somebody you look up to. Not to know. I we have to say their names, but there's some people I don't want to meet because I don't want to get herbed. You're like, no picture. Just even shake their hand. Like they kind of dish you. Definitely. I don't want that experience. Oh, yeah? I do it to people all the time, too, so I'm sure. Like, <laughs> where they they run up on me, and I just clearly like don't have the energy. Like right, They're right. super hyped to be me and me, and I'm kind of like, bro, I'm like walking out of the fucking 7-Eleven with like a coffee in hand, and I'm yeah, wearing yeah, yeah. my pajamas and shit. And like, you know, or like, yeah, but I mean, the well, one that stands out to me is that like I was interviewing Young Thug backstage at that same festival in the UK I was just talking about, and Future walks into the room, and I just like stand up like I'm in the fucking military and my fucking sergeant just walked in and future doesn't even like look at me or like he just right, like says right. something to thug and like doesn't even look at me. I got roasted on Twitter for that hella bad, but I deserved it because I looked like a fucking herb. Like, I just stood up like, sir. Like, <laughs> did, you, did you ever want to rhyme back then? Did you ever want to be a rapper? I like thought about it a little bit, but I think I had like the good sense to know that like probably the world didn't need that. So yeah. I'm glad that I actually never took that step. Yeah. Yeah, I love it so much that I would never disrespect hip hop yeah. by trying to rock. You know what I mean? Me too. I, as much as I admire it, it's, stick with the shit we do. But yeah, like, we yeah. love it and respect it. You know? I what wish. I, mean? like, I wish, but I think I just always knew that like maybe I had some talent, but probably that wasn't the venue for it. And also at that time, I mean. The number of white rappers was insanely low at that time. Yeah. It really seemed like it was impossible. Like, yeah. because it was like Eminem came out when I was like, uh, you know, fifteen, 
And before that, it was like you had Vanilla Ice who sort of like cast this cloud over white rappers yeah. for a while. Yeah. Now it's like if you're a white rapper and you come out and you're dope, I mean, it's like I think people are pretty open-minded to it, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely they might like hold you to a different standard or like True. be more prone to thinking you're kind of goofy or whatever. But like I don't think, you know, there's there's a lot of white rappers that are popular. You could And you could totally have a fan base now that's like completely outside the mainstream too. So Absolutely. Yeah. True. That yeah. Millie's guy. Yeah. I saw our interview that was great, and we, t- we, listened, we saw some of his stuff, his mm-hmm. freestyles, and JD Kiss. Yeah, he's, he's fucking, been grinding he's, for a long yeah, time. Yeah, he has been. He's super talented, and he's just man. sort of really like hitting his prime now. It's just inspiring because it's like you're sort of used to people coming out, and if they don't blow up in the first year as a rapper, you sort of just you know, like yeah, he's sticking, never going to yeah, happen. He's, he's really stuck committed. with it hard and is finally like really getting some yeah. respect, I think. Yeah, so you, so you were listening to Snoop and stuff like that, but obviously you're in the East Coast where like, I feel like some of the best hip hop East. Oh, I love yeah. West Coast, but like Gangstar, just all that Wu Tang, everything back then was just. Yeah, I mean, I got super into like Nas and Jay and yeah. and, and Wu Tang and and all that shit too. Like soon after, and was listening to that all through high school and everything like that. So you did graduate though. I did. It was not easy. I had to do fucking uh, summer school for like Damn. two different summers uh, before I graduated and stuff, which is when I look at it now, I'm like, what the fuck was keeping you from right. just doing your fucking work? You stupid asshole. Like, and I just yeah. couldn't, mm-hmm. and I really like tried in school, but it was just like, like I'm somebody who can like get interested in something and within like two weeks be like a fucking expert on it. But if I'm like told to learn something in school and I don't give a fuck, it's like almost impossible for me to really remember it or like really get it. So that was always my problem with like I would do. I, I never got above like a D in math like my whole life because I just couldn't like I just couldn't comprehend why I should care about this in my head. Which now I would think like oh, that'd be dope. I'd love to learn some random yeah. thing like that I'm not probably gonna use you know now i yeah. look at like languages like fuck like you know you go to like china or some shit and you're just like oh my god it would be so sick to learn chinese oh, yeah yeah i'm not going to do it because it's way <laughs> so too much work <laughs> and i've already lived the majority of my life maybe so like yeah. i don't know how i feel about spending that much time like learning another language but yeah. <laughs> so what did, you, what did you want to do when you graduate at that point Were you working a job at that in high school like senior year or i not? wanted to keep going to hardcore shows and keep hanging out with random chicks off myspace and ride bikes and <laughs> like space. film and make bike videos and that was it that was it yeah i was like not really seeing past like just being a hedonist and just having some fun at that time and so then when we go to new york you know anybody out there just gonna go out there and just try to fucking make it happen i had like two buddies that were doing credit card fraud with me at the time that were from new hampshire where i was from so we were like living in this apartment that was like i think Six hundred dollars total for like a wow. two bedroom in Astoria. So we were like, me and, the, me and the Chinese dude were, were splitting the room and like paying like one fifty each. And I was like, oh, really like in the room way more than like I deserved to probably be because I <laughs> once I hurt my back, I'm just like literally sitting there playing poker on the computer for like hours and hours and hours a day. Wow. Yeah. Which I still I still play poker like too much. I like, got some poker questions. Like, the guy lives downstairs. He knows he's a poker player. And he knows all about your shit. He's totally really? all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, so uh, let's go back to let's go back to No Jumper though. So then after that one blows up, obviously you have Triple X on, and that's like one of his first professional interviews ever. Yeah, his first one for sure. And it wow. was that was like 
literally the things that made me want to do that interview were the fact that everybody kept commenting his name on all my interviews being like, get this dude, get this dude. He had tweeted about it. It got like a crazy reaction from his fans, you know, but he didn't have that many followers. He had like 10,000 followers, but then wow. he's getting like so many responses and like retweets and stuff that I was like very curious. I listened to the music. I thought the music was pretty good, but then also I had seen all these videos and fighting and shit and like Saw really beating the shit out of people, which I was kind of like astounded by. Uh, so also yeah. him getting knocked out on the stage too. I saw that one. Well, that was way after. Okay, that was okay. after he blew up, but yeah, like, uh, that just kind of made me interested. And then he came in and did the interview. And it's like the interview, when you watch it, it's kind of like, oh, like I wish he would have gone for like another hour. But I had to interview like some random BMX dude like okay. right afterwards. So we like wrapped it up after like an hour or some shit. But yeah, that that was the one like when I think about like my career, like I see a lot of YouTubers who are kind of like they're YouTubers and they, they're, they have a good career going, a good living, but they're maybe not like taken seriously by like the music industry or the music yeah. industry doesn't like feel the need to like acknowledge them that x interview changed everything for me where all of a sudden i wasn't really like a youtuber i was like the guy that discovered x or some shit even though wow. I, I didn't sign him i probably could have signed him if i knew what i know now you know yeah. but you know it was just basically like you know that that was just to me a no-brainer like it just seemed interesting I, i'd like to think i'm still on exactly the same shit where it's like i'll interview somebody with no fucking followers if i just think that they have the star power to be interesting that. enough you know what yeah. is it that draws you to them uh, like that is it the music or the lyrics or is it a combination story or it's I mean, or is it the personality you know yeah it's gotta kind of be you know I, I mean there's like all these different factors that mm -hmm. you can kind of weigh like i just for instance i just interviewed this dude brick baby who at the time, like, because he just got prison. He was locked up for, like, four years in a county jail. And he's, like, a real deal crip out here and everything. And I've known about him forever. And I knew he had a crazy-ass story because he was there for, like, the very beginning of Young Thug's career. And, like, has just been, like, in the streets really doing shit for a long-ass time. And, like, I went – before I interviewed him, I went and, like, looked at his YouTube channel. And he only had, like, 900 plays on his new song. And I was just, like – for a second, I was, like – is this like, should I be interviewing this dude if he has 900 plays on his new song? And then I was like, remembered, like, you think he's really interesting. So, like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah. And that interview did really, really solid numbers for awesome. somebody that, and, and, you know, that that's cool. But, like, more so, I'm, like, reading the comments of people being, like, Adam's really tapped in. Like, he really knows what the fuck's going on. Like, I fucking remember this dude from back in the day. Like, it's so sick hearing his story. Yeah. That shit, like, really means a lot to me you yeah. yeah you have your streets still you still listen to new things and you're right yeah i'll listen to whatever sometimes i feel like i'm not as tapped in as i should be but i uh yeah i'm like sometimes i feel like i'm too tapped in with like street music and like real like gangster underground rap and not yeah. enough with like the sort of like nerdy weird shit that i was like with x like he wasn't like a gangster rapper he was like on some like soundcloud type shit yeah but, that you know had an emo vibe to it too his interest was dark man yeah he kind of figured that out over time that like you know he's one he's the only rapper ever who's like blown up making a certain kind of music and by the time he put out his first album had basically said like no i'm not doing this anymore i'm making folk music <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you know yeah yeah that's fucking fuck and so it was no jumper so what, does that become are you making money at that point when the triple x thing happens or you how, like you have the store on some shit on Merrill's. You, yeah. That was your main thing you're hustling on. I had a bunch of shit going at the time. You know, I was still doing the BMX website. I'm doing yeah. the BMX content. I remember like it was my goal at that time to make like 10,000 from YouTube in a month. And like 
just one month, my, my BMX channel started exploding and the no jumper thing started exploding because I fucking got like a random BMX vlog that I did, got 3 million views that month. And then like a bunch of the other ones I did got like, you know, uh, like a million or so. And like, wow. finally, like I went from like, I was like just trudging along on the BMX channel for like years and years, making like two grand a month. And then all of a sudden I had a 10 grand month. But at the same time, the no jumper shit was blowing up. And I was like, to be honest, getting super bored with like making BMX videos and just okay. going to the same skate parks and just making the same fucking video over and over. So yeah. I just had to be real with myself. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just like going all in on no jumper and kind of just like fell back from doing the BMX content for a while. And I was just still having the blog go. And then at a certain point, even that, I was just kind of like, you know what? This like habits run. I'm not interested in it anymore. I'm not going to just keep trying to do this and especially at a certain point it became like w the money i was making from no jumper was like you know so much more than i ever wow. made in the bmx side of things that it just kind of became like i can't even like look at this thing like it's a real business anymore i would rather <laughs> wow. just be a fan of it of the yeah of bmx and just not even have a website you know well he did a lot for it, it seems he did a lot for bmx yeah it definitely helped uh bring it into the internet i mean like we we get no credit for it because everybody just forgets but like for like 10 years there, we were the only BMX website that mattered. And like all the magazines that went out of business and stuff, yeah, it was because of us. Because we were taking all the traffic. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. So then No Jumper kind of, be, that becomes your, that that's your like your full-time Yeah, because I was just seeing so much explosive growth that I just had to like lean all in on it. And at that moment was when we were like, fuck it, we're moving from downtown LA to Hollywood and to Melrose. Yeah. And that's when shit really started going crazy because all of a sudden you had like, rappers strolling in on a daily basis and i just made my whole life like 12 hours a day i'm gonna be in this fucking store and if people walk in the door and they are down to do an interview i'm gonna fucking go in the bathroom and write questions on my phone for five <laughs> minutes and then pop back out and do this interview and act like i was completely ready for Damn. it and it just became this insane fucking grind like daily where i was just doing so much content i would do like 10 interviews in a week wow. i would wow. fucking it's draining just man be yeah. in the store doing social media all day vlogging just making so much content like just leaning into it so hard What's the most podcast you do a day? I'll do three or four in a day. Like, Still to this day. Yeah. Oh my god. And so when I watch the when I watch when I watch um, No Jumper, I never see notes. Maybe I see on your phone. Most of the time you're smoking or you guys are doing like you just have it on your head. Like it's almost like you're like you don't write lyrics down like Jay Z. I never see you looking at shit for the questions. I like how much in, studying do you do? In people? getting ready for somebody, I just like will watch all their music videos or like watch an interview with them, and I'll just sort of like try to really zone out and just like really think about like what is the interesting thing I can bring up to this person like what do I want to hear them talk about what do I think relates to the audience that they might want to hear you know and I just sort of try to just be really honest with myself in that moment of as I'm like just thinking of stuff and I'll end up with like not even questions necessarily but just like words some of its questions just like little things that are just tidbits and those are really like I, I try to ignore it and I try to just do the conversation off the top of my head and then at some point, maybe if the conversation stalls a little bit, I'll just look at the notes. And, mm. But it's different for everybody, too, because like a lot of times if you're interviewing, you know, an actor or a comedian or, or a writer, they're very wordy and they'll just talk. Yeah. And like, you know, that that's 
those are so easy. And then, yeah, but then on flows. the other, on the other hand, sometimes I'm interviewing like a 16 year old kid who's like <laughs> the most popping rapper of the moment. Yeah. yeah. But he gives me like, you know, a 20 second response to every question. I know. And yeah. those are the ones where I like really need to have like a lot of different shit written down. Cause I know he's probably not going to give me that much. So it totally makes but, sense. But then yeah, I also like with, teeth. with yeah. those people, I try to just fuck with them and just like say weird out of pocket shit and just like try to, <laughs> get them out of their comfort zone and just get them like, you know, just like realizing like, this is just a conversation. Like, you know, I I did a podcast with Draco the ruler yesterday and we were talking about all this crazy street beef. And at one point in the middle of it, there's just like a five minute conversation about what sauces we like on our food. (laughs) And he's like hella anti ketchup. He's just talking about mustard (laughs) and all this shit. And like, you know, I like that though. I like it just to feel like, let's just flow. Let's just talk about whatever. No, I like that too. And I see, I said it before the start of it. I always see like people sit not by the microphone yeah. and you right. like keep pushing up and you have so much patience with them. Like I, I just, I, I see how you can control it. It's awesome. Just cause sometimes I would get frustrated. Like people aren't talking on the mic or fucking <laughs> they're high or they're rolling something forever. You're like, got to keep it flowing. You know what I mean? Mm. The Aaron yeah. Carter ones are crazy too, man. Out of his mind. I mean, it's just like, I like when people keep coming back. Yeah. Too. It's weird how like there's, a real formula where you just put somebody really unstable on camera with somebody who's pretty stable. Yeah. And then you just watch what happens. And it's like, I see people doing this all the time. Like my new podcast is me and this sociopath that is also <laughs> popular on the internet. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, we definitely, we, that, that's like part of the, of the, the channel that I'm really like, trying to do more of is like i want the channel of like no jumper to be like a a nightly live stream where you can just count on going on there and there'll be like four hours of different personalities and and girls that we fuck with and like just people we know who are just talking i want to have it be like a nightly hangout session and then also be putting up the interviews that i do as well and like the vlogs that we do at different people's shows and stuff like i'm always just trying to like figure out how we're going to sort of take no jumper and turn it into something that'll be like around longer than me because i just feel like at some point my brain might like pivot out of just wanting to interview rappers all the time like even even just being like very comfortable financially sometimes now it's like I don't, I hold myself to this crazy ass standard of like any interview that comes in that I want to do, I'm doing it and it doesn't matter if I'm doing 10 in a week, like I'm just going to do it because I just feel like it's important enough. But I also like, sometimes you have to like sort of analyze where your motivation is coming from. And it's like, Mm. it used to be like I was motivated to make money and that doesn't really work anymore with like doing YouTube content because it's just like any individual interview doesn't really like mean anything. But you know, like for me, it's like, I still just feel so passionate about like having the conversations and, and as far as why I can people. do so many, it's just cause like I, I used to get super worked up, anxious, nervous, shaky. Like, you know, I would be really on edge before interviews and I've just like practiced over and over and over of just like going into it and not feeling anything and just trying to just act like I'm just sitting there talking to somebody. And I think that like, they super chill. If you build yourself up and get hyped up, like I used to feel like a fucking boxer. Like I'm just like yeah. getting ready. I'm like working <laughs> yeah. out in the morning. I'm like drinking hella coffee, just getting super geeked up to do these interviews. And I feel like now it's more like I want to be in my most relaxed chill. state because I can't fucking sit on camera for eight hours in a day yeah. unless I'm like fully relaxed. So now yeah. I just try to, sort of approach it like that and I try to not build it up in my head. I try to treat it like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you get you get drained? You must get mentally Definitely. drained. The weeks it. the weeks where I do ten interviews in a week, it's like while I'm doing it, 
I can convince myself that I'm just completely relaxed. But then like when I get in the car and I'm driving home and I'm like, or I'm sitting on the couch afterwards, I realize like I am exhausted, like right. mentally yeah. exhausted from doing this. But you know, it's whatever. That's why you got the weekend. And now you have to come home and balance. Now you're a dad. Congratulations. So now Thanks. you're balancing a family. So now you come home from all that insanity Ooh. and then you have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know I still, I, I get home from tour. My wife, my wife's like, here, take your baby. You've been gone for two weeks. Change the baby, and then now it's like your turn. Like right, it's a lot so you have to balance of, all that work, family man. shit too. It's so sick. Has that yeah. changed anything on your perspective on on the content you create, on the things you talk about? Does any of that change for you? Like, mm, oh no, probably not in the way people would think. Like yeah. we're definitely like going harder with the adult content side of things and shit. Like me and my girl are definitely like like we signed a couple girls that were managing their their OnlyFans careers and stuff that we're about to announce soon. Um, but as far as like me. It, it kind of made me like forget about socializing and like going out and doing shit. It made me like, oh no, I'm going to like go to work all day and like focus on my business and then like focus on spending as much time as I can with my kid at most of the time that I'm not working, you know, like yeah. it just kind of like moved everything down a lot priority wise where it's like, how the fuck am I going to go like, you know, go to somebody's show well, you know, and I still go to people's shows, but like, am I <laughs> am I really gonna go to like some rapper's show just to kick it backstage to maybe like you know remind him that I fuck with him and like right. you know just sort of show face and just be cool and make a little small talk with people for a couple hours when I could like go to sleep earlier and then like yeah. wake up and like play with my kid, like the the mental calculus at a certain point is just like no, like yeah, you'd man. way rather <laughs> play with your fucking kid, like just <laughs> hang out with your kid, you know? Do you sleep good? You sleep good at night? I sleep super good, but also like I, I I aim for eight hours. But I mean, if I get like six, I feel totally fine. But yeah, if I compa- if I compound getting like four or five or six hours in a row, I'll start to feel like really drained by the end of the week. But mm. yeah, and then you you work out that way. What you like your your ritual in the morning before you go to work? Yeah, I work out every morning at like eight a.m. with my trainer. Okay, so you a coffee guy too? I drink coffee. Yes. Yeah, him too. Yeah. Yes. I've been off it for a while. It's good. Caffeine made me crazy, but. Yeah. Um, so that so workout every day that's your fucking keeps you mentally yeah definitely it helps yep and you're a weed guy, weed guy too still smoking weed yep yeah, Derek too blippy yeah. spot sorry yeah, Derek yeah, yeah. nice yeah nice. man and then uh, what, what would be like a guest like a dream guest for you that you haven't had yet do you have like a bucket list shit or no Ooh, I mean Drake's probably like my number Ooh. one especially since he hit me with this fucking cock tease DM back in 2017 saying that he was gonna do the interview and then he just like never really mentioned it do you after still have that, that saved I could, yeah, but but he's like DM me about like a, a a ton of shit over the years, and I I like don't uh, expose it to the world because yeah, of some of the things he says to me, I'm like, wow, you must really trust me because like <laughs> <laughs> I like if I put this on my story right now, it'd be like on all the blogs and shit. But and you can't, uh, if you ever had him on, you can't bring up those conversations. Maybe who knows? But he's the biggest control freak ever because he did the mm-hmm. he did the rap radar uh, podcast, yeah, and. Not only did his team edit it, so they got to take out wow. anything that they didn't wow. like, but they, they ran it on his YouTube channel, so Rap Radar didn't even get the fucking AdSense money. Wow. That was the most player-ass shit wow. I heard. Yeah. <laughs> and I could, I could see when I was watching it, because it was one of the best interviews i ever seen done. Uh, Elliot Wilson and B-Dot, yeah. they interviewed Drake. They killed it. After that, I was kind of like, what the fuck am I going to ask him if I interview him? Because it was so good. But I could see where the edits were. And mm. I was like, oh, I could tell sort of like what little things he might have reacted differently to that then they wanted to remove whatever so that'd be a sick one man yeah that, that would have been that would be a good one Nas would be sick it's hard <laughs> I'm telling have, you, have you tried 
a bunch of people like that, like in that world. I should be like, fuck it, I'm not gonna try. I'll DM anyone. Like I'll okay. DM, I DM random ass people. Really? Be like, bro, let me Still? get an interview. I'm such a big fan. Yeah, I just do it. Like I'll just. Right. I love that. Even man. young ass artists, they got like 50k followers, or like they're like brand new out the gate rappers or whatever. I yeah. just DM. Love them to have you on because that's when they're really gonna fuck with you. Then when they really Absolutely. appreciate it is if you tap in with them when they're smaller. Yeah. Once somebody's already huge, it's like. They kind of you. Yeah. They quite often end up with the attitude of like, I don't need you. Like yeah. you weren't there for me when I was struggling. So why the fuck mm. would I do content? Because you know interviews are very optional in rap. You yeah. know it's like uh. there's a million outlets. The biggest rappers don't even really do interviews. Like Lil Uzi Vert or Playboy Cardi or Jay Z or etc. They're yeah. Drake, Kanye. They're almost never going to do an interview. So it's kind of actually they're the problem because if they were more open to interviews, all them than the younger Kanye rappers. Would be, I see you having a great one with Kanye. That'd be sick. Yeah, but he just sort of like hijacks the conversation and just goes on his own rants about anything, you know? Yeah. Like I watched him on Joe Rogan and I just like, I was like, Joe, you got to wrangle this dude. Like you can't just let <laughs> yeah. him do whatever the fuck he wants on the mic. And I've heard him do that on so many people's yeah. podcasts. And that that's like a big one. Like as like a podcaster skill is to know Rope when it, back, exactly right, like yeah. pull him back to earth. Like, no, we're going to. We're talking about the questions I want to ask. Yeah, like, and, and what's really fascinating is when you you can observe the alpha male dynamic going right, on, right. where someone's trying to like basically sort of like lower the other person's value. Yeah. That, that shit's fascinating once you sort of like start to pick up on that, man. Wow. I, I was gonna say like you have guests that come on that are kind of you can tell that maybe they're acting on the podcast like they're sometimes kind of, yeah. yeah wow would that it would seem kind of annoying i'm sure you can see, that, like, see through that now but i mean rapping is acting you know True. like yeah. and, and realistically they're they're on camera interview persona is usually way scaled back like you know the mm. same dude who's talking about shooting 50 people is going to be in an interview like i, I don't have a gun no, like right. what, are you, what are you talking about? Like right, you know. Right. So, but then like some people will come on and you, you know, like I, I've had people come on and tell me like crazy stories about being shot, and then had somebody else from their city see me and be like, "Bro, you really believe that story?" And I'm like, "Wow, oh shit." I love the corrupt that was one. A lie, fuck. Like Damn. that could definitely have been a lie. Like you might have a point. Mm. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. The corrupt one was great, man. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. He was pretty honest and real, and just fucking. <laughs> he was he was pretty chill and like. I like you do the old heads too, yeah. Oh yeah, I just did Hellrell and J.R. Ryder and Forty oh, Cal. Shit, that was a dream. That was so fucking fun. Yeah. Wow. I heard somebody else too. If I should mention, I could take it out, but search. Search. Yep. Just did Sick. his. It's not even out yet, but that that was an amazing one. Yeah. Damn. We did a um, Channel Zero cover for the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I was on with Derek, and I had no idea who else was on. Who else was on with us? We covered There's it. Some uh, guitars from Mastodon, uh, guys from Faith No More. Oh well, Billy and uh, Mixmaster Mike. And Puffy. at the very end, all of a sudden, Mixed MC Master Search Mike. is on. I was like, oh fuck, we're on a song with MC Search. Well, yeah, Third bass was a, was a great fun. one back then for white rappers. We didn't mention that's a good point. Yeah, fucking Absolutely. incredible cactus album, all that shit. Yeah, a lot of respect. Man. Yeah, and he did, and he fucking pretty much his production, whatever was involved in Nas's first record, all that. You know, I, I think somebody Searchlight. said that he was like the first. Or third base as a whole, or search was like the first like white rapper that was like really like taken seriously and yeah. respected as an MC. Didn't do Fugazi shit early on Fugazi, in the, yeah. their career that would like you know make people think weird shit about him because like at one point True. Vanilla Ice was respected, but he was a little bit too far into the like dork category. But like if you actually like I watched some documentary or like video about like 
Vanilla Ice's career. And it's crazy how he was actually taken very seriously in Texas. And then he got clowned on Saturday Night Live. And like a couple rappers took shots at him. And his fucking public perception just plunged so low after that. I mean, also his like big single was just dorky as fuck. But like... Like Ja Rule and 50 style. I mean, that was... Yeah. That that was another thing. He still bullies him. It's crazy, man. Fuck. That like when I say that Jay Z and Nas got me like super into hip hop, it was also like that was the time period of the rise of Fifty. Like I was a fan of Fifty from like How to Rob, like his yeah. first, first, first shit. Great I shit. thought he was tight, and then he signs to Dre and Eminem, and I'm like, oh my god, like this is insane. <laughs> this is that was like I, I feel like your like future fandom will be based on like the the version of the subculture that you encounter when you're a young kid you know so like mm. my like my, my hardcore fandom definitely like fizzled out but like you know going to <laughs> shows in Boston in like 99 2000 yeah. etc I mean it's like the That's most rad. violent like mm-hmm. hardcore scene maybe like uh, I don't want to say ever there's probably a lot of candidates but New York was wild back then too it was yeah, insane Boston was too. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah and like the, when I look at like oh I like my primal years of like going through puberty and like listening to rap music where like Jay-Z versus Nas and 50 versus Ja Rule and Eminem (laughs) versus Ja Rule all this fucking amazing shit yeah Eminem versus everyone I got lucky that was a great time period is there anybody that like said no to you and you I don't want you have to say their names if somebody you really bombed they said no just straight up no has like, anybody ever said that to you? Yeah, all the time. But Chief Keef uh, is is one who like talks to me all the time, shows hella love, fucks with me. I'll be like, yo, let's get an interview in. Nah, bro. I, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I don't like doing interviews, bro. You got to just respect it because it's like, oh, you, like, you really are weird as fuck and you don't, you, you probably just like would not enjoy yourself. Like you don't seem to really enjoy being on camera outside of like rapping and shit. So I feel you. you I know? appreciate the honesty though. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't look down on anybody for it because it's like, I very much, if you have a career and you want to maintain a certain level of mystery, I mean, for sure. As an artist, there's a lot of value in that. There's got to yeah. be a balance, though. You know, like yeah. you, you want people to know who you are. Yeah. You know, have a, a piece of your personality, and doing interviews is a great way to, to really tap in for fans. I mean, I yeah. guess it's maybe different in the whole metal and rock world because it's mm. important. Yeah, you can't, you'll die if you don't do interviews. But you know, listen, people- like if you're a metal band, even like as a rapper, this is definitely true. But as a metal band, if you never do interviews <laughs> right. and you really maintain that illusion mis- of mis- mystery yeah. and shit, and like that's the problem with interviews is that like for the most part, people are pretty nice on camera. So it's like sure. if you have all these songs about disemboweling corpses and shit, <laughs> and then you do an interview and it's like you're just super nice. It's like I could see how the fans might. But I think in metal, it's like more of a, yeah. the fans know and accept that there's a level of theatrics going on here. And yeah. any rap fan with half a brain should know that about rappers. But a lot of times they just kind of miss that. You know? are, are there some metal bands that like act a certain way that really aren't their way? It seems like. Yeah, but. Like, I'm like, sure the singer Deicide is nice. I mean, yeah, but most fans know that this is definitely some theatrics being thrown in. But it's it's super important. Like when I was thinking of like pop or rock stars, like. Terrence Trent Darby, he never did interviews or anything. Really? And then Damn. he was really like, no, nope, no. Nope. And his kind of career was like faded because of people were like, yo, mm. what's up with this? Wow. But like, imagine Danzig never did an interview. I would probably really think he was like the most evil dude <laughs> ever. And that would be pretty badass for that's his like cool. long-term career. True. Don't you think? And I don't he, doesn't he doesn't do, do a lot. He doesn't do a lot. Yeah. You know, who I love that's like, who I, I love for the generation of hip hop is J. Cole and Kendrick. As far as my two top, as far as the past decade, mm-hmm. my, whatever, me and my son love them too. But they're done on social media. I love how mysterious they kind of are still. And Because you get to a certain point in your career, 
where like their careers are doing so good uh, that a lot of times doing anything feels like it could hurt your career you know right, like right. like you th- like those point. dudes get by on like not putting shit out for years and years <laughs> and crazy. years and it builds this huge level of anticipation it's a nice gig if you can get it but i mean obviously <laughs> for most people that's just not how their career is going to play out like you're right. going to go away for a year and everybody will forget and move on kendrick and j cole are in this weird position where they go away for a year or two and Nobody forgets. Everyone's still works. talking about them. When you're really at the epicenter or like the peak of your musicianship and you really are that dope, I mean, they're, they're, you can do that. I yeah, guess. they only come back when they have records coming out. Yeah. And then there was a new single. I forgot who was Kendrick's on this new single. I forgot the guy's name. Max O'Cream. It was incredible. Or, or uh, Baby Keem. Sorry. You know, incredible song the other day. We listened mm-hmm. to it right in the yeah. video. I was like, yeah, that was Kendrick's hard, right? about to drop a record. You can feel it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's been it's like coming. three or four years. Yeah. We kind of need it right now, too, because I saw you debate on. The Drake, we've been having this debate too. The Drake and, right. the, and and the Kanye record, and I feel like there's a couple of songs, just a couple of songs. I would never say I was a Drake fan over Kanye, but for some reason there's some, some bars. There's a lot of shit on the new Drake record. It's really great, man. I love that. Like yeah. that deep cut something. I don't forget what it's called. It's a weird name. Seven AM. Well, you talked about it. Um, just the bars on there, like going at everybody. I feel mm-hmm. like there's really no boom bap bars on the Kanye there's a Griselda song on there there's right. yeah it's so hard to digest it man. that's why there was some old, there was somebody in our <laughs> office like arguing about this with us yesterday like some dude and he was he was saying like he's like you know because we played the Kanye album we we're going song by song and I was telling him I'm like I'm never gonna listen to this song again wow. like we're like four or five songs in I'm like there's a couple songs that I will listen to again but there's a bunch of songs I want and I'm like tell him I'm like bro there's no drums like there's no drums. I can't right. listen to this. There's no ra- there's no drums and like so I can listen to it once like as a movie. I get it that this is like setting a scene, whatever. But like it's just like I like rap and there's not a lot of songs on this album that really make me feel like I'm listening to a rap album. Boom bap. And I respect the artistry, but for like a listenability, like the Drake album is just so much easier to listen to. I can't believe I'm gonna say that out loud. Like Drake, I love our songs. He has bangers, but. We're not supposed to like Drake because he's Canada. He's not hard. Not but in to. his own way, he is hard because when Homeboy went at him, he came at him so fucking great. What's his face? Fucking meet me all that shit. It's yeah. weird how Drake is like the, like Kanye gets to be the underdog because he like said slavery was a choice, supported Donald Trump, has said like so many bush. terrible things he gets to be the underdog because he's basically acted like a fucking arrogant child for the last couple of years and then drake for some reason is this like king who people want to see dethroned because he's pretty much carried himself like a nice guy for all these years like what yeah. the fuck is wrong with people isn't this so weird like <laughs> these crazy. narratives are kind of bizarre <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting to see the sales too. I don't know if you know the sales of the first week. Oh, yeah. Drake's out. crushing him. Did yeah. you watch the um the like the listening party thing for Drake at that the video they had on Apple? Was this uh, him the, like in the mask? And oh, all the that? Kanye thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't see any of that shit. Yeah, like you love Kanye too, right? The, yeah, I, I respect his as an artist. You know, he's but, definitely a true artist. But that's yeah. part of like the the whole rollout is like oh, I'm gonna premiere this album three times and it's going to change and I'm like bro I do not have time for this I do, I do not want to listen to your album three times before it's done like people send me leaks all the time and it's like I don't want to hear a leaked Drake song I want to wait for his album to come out yeah. and then hear them all at the same time exactly and like because that that's ruined it for me in the past like I'm the biggest Young Thug fan and there was a moment where like a hundred plus songs of his leaked and I had them all on my computer. Wow. And this is like 10 years ago or some shit. And I was just listening to them all. 
but they like a lot of them were mastered and stuff and it's oh, like no. I, I a lot of them you could that. sort of tell that like oh this song is like redundant with this song and like they never would have put both of these songs on the album but then when the album comes out it's like curated like you got yeah. like 15 yeah, yeah, songs yeah, that make sense that's what i want to hear i don't want to hear your band fucking practice yeah put the album that. out make it put out a shiny disc with it on it whatever yeah. and then i'll listen to that yeah do people send you shit all the time like to check out before it comes out now Sometimes you, are you like the main go to for hip hop platforms though? Yeah, like when people have a press run, like Yo Jumpers up there with, with the Breakfast Club and the East Coast stuff like that. We're up there with yeah. I mean, it's like we kind of. I pride myself on like being different with our content. Like I just like interviewing a lot of people who like are clearly not like a lot of a lot of rap outlets. They only interview people when they're having a moment. Right. I really do not. You do have underdogs, yeah. Yeah, sure. and, I, and I don't want you to be having a moment realistically. Like, I don't want you to be talking about your new album. Like, it's cool if I can only get an interview because you want to talk about your album at some point. That's cool. But, like, realistically, I want to just have a conversation, not do some, like, weird promotional shit, you know? Yeah. When you first came out, it's kind of like when, like, if somebody opens a tattoo shop in the same area as another tattoo shop, you have to ask for us. It's like a respect thing. Like, when you first came out, mm. were the old school, old school platforms, were they kind of... Were they, were they, did they, like Joe Buttons, um, Breakfast Clubs, uh, whatever's out here, like all those different, did they like the only people embrace that, you or like, who the fuck's this guy? I mean, the only like relevant content creators in rap at that time on YouTube when I started was like DJ Vlad was doing like, yeah. he's been doing interviews forever. So he's kind of like the OG. And then, you know, you have like academics, but he was, oh, yeah, academics. he was doing, you know, more like just telling you some shit that was going on in the streets or going on between rappers. So, and even Vlad, like Vlad would do interviews, but then he would chop them up into these little like chunks. For me, it was like, no, I'm going to do like a two hour interview. And I'm just going to put it out as a two hour interview. And <laughs> that, that to me was like what made it different, but not nah, definitely nobody like really had like opinions or, or really like seemed like they were like, felt like I was stepping on their toes. Cause the, the artists I was interviewing were dudes who were not getting interviews. They yeah, just were true. not going to have an interview on YouTube because they were not big enough. But then meanwhile, I'm going to shows and I'm watching like a thousand people singing their words back at them and they have their merch and they fucking, I know these dudes are like have, you know, maybe they don't have a million followers, but maybe they got 50 K or a hundred K, but their fan base is crazy. And that, but now everybody gets that. Now everybody realizes that not only do you want to sign an artist super early in their career, but you want to interview them there. Like people just sort of realize that an artist, like a new artist is like a, a natural resource that they want to mine from, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. which like, you know, I want to get the views before anybody else. I want to get this dude to sign to me because I know that maybe his career will go crazy and I'll be able to make money off it. Like yeah. all that was kind of a mystery to me at the time. And then I started to realize like, Oh, like I was only able to do this because everybody else was sleeping on these artists actually being relevant, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like and Ring. Yeah, and you, totally. you, and you worked at a label too. They hired you. Are you still with a label? At one point, I did some shit with Atlantic. We've been that's doing. Right. We, we have an artist we're about to sign independently right now. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. Because like when I think about it, man, like if I had been able to sign a lot of those artists I interviewed early on, holy Dude. shit! But I, I have artists say like I was signed to you, and I'll be like. I don't know fucking anything about that, bro. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? I don't know how to sign somebody. Like, I'm brand new. Like, even at that time, like, it took me a while to, like, really figure out the game because I, like, I was just so new to everything. And people would be talking to me like, oh, like, you should do a publishing deal. And I'm, like, literally having to, like, go home and, like, just, like, Google and, like, research what a publishing deal is and be like, fuck. Like, I still am very confused about this. Like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, Because yeah. I, I had been a rap fan for, like, 20 years before... I 
had a voice in yeah. the rap world. So it was kind of shocking to me. I would have done it a long time ago if I realized anybody would have took me seriously, you know? Do you trip on it sometimes? Just yeah. because you love it yeah. so much, like you love this music and... It, I trip on it when I have like go to work. Sometimes I have that drive to work where I have like four interviews and it's like, I am going to be sitting in this chair for like seven or eight hours today. But also like, I'm so geeked and like, I feel so <laughs> lucky to have all these conversations because, you know, I, I was like, when I was like 22 and I started that BMX website, I felt like I had just accomplished like more than I ever could have imagined, imagined yeah. accomplishing because I was so obsessed with just media in general. And then all of a sudden I had like the biggest platform and the niche that I had spent my entire childhood obsessed with. All of a sudden I'm just like, like it, it took me a while to like figure out more goals because yeah, I just yeah. couldn't believe that I had done it so quickly. And it was only because everybody else was just asleep at the wheel, you know? Yeah. And then right. interviewing people like you grew up li like loving and shit's awesome, man. Like, yeah. So now this is even more like what the fuck, like everybody I grew up around, you know, like you look at their like Instagram and it's like, they're posting like, Oh, here's a photo I had in a magazine in 2007. And like, here's, you know, like I went on this road trip, like in 2002 and it's like, sometimes I look at that shit and I'm like, I cannot believe that I'm still actually doing shit that I'm excited about every day because it feels like I'm on my like second life. Cause I had this whole bike riding yeah. life wow, before, right. before this shit. And it, it just kind of trips me out. Like how the fuck did I get into this place? Like I, I know I did everything possible to get to this place, but it yeah. also just freaks me out that it actually worked. Yeah, it's fucking insane. Mm -hmm. And I just I realized how when you when you walked in how tall you are. <laughs> like so riding a BMX might have been difficult for a tall person or no? Yeah, I, I mean there are a lot of like <laughs> he's so big. Like, there's a lot yeah. of amazing bike riders who yeah. are really tall and okay. they look super good on their bike because yeah. of their height. I would not put myself in that category, and I <laughs> I would say that on average, like shorter dudes have an advantage because they can kind of like roll and like they don't have like as long of a of a base to like you know twist something or hurt something or whatever yeah. but yeah but even me like riding bikes as a kid like i think a lot of kids now it's like you ride bikes because you want to go pro or get sponsored or same thing with skating and if you don't do those things then you're like a failure or you're like you didn't do the thing that you were supposed to do i didn't have anyone to look up to that was sponsored yeah. or anything because i'm coming up in new hampshire like i knew yeah. like one like before the age of like 19 i knew one guy that got like free bikes from one company Okay. And so, like, the idea that I was, like, going to be sponsored one day was, like, completely foreign to me. I just, like, the experience of, like, being on my bike, going out with my friends, having experiences, yeah. like, the culture of it, reading magazines and watching videos and shit. Shout out know? to Rick Thorne, too, my man. He was still doing it, man. Rick Thorne, Fucking, right? You oh, used to yeah. see him cooking yeah. down Melrose all oh, the time. Still, yeah, dude. Still. And I interviewed him back in the day, yeah. Oh, he did. Awesome. Sick. So, when did you move to Cali? 2010, I think. Wow. Yeah. From New York? Yeah, from... Uh, Brooklyn, yeah, Bushwick. And, and what made you do that? What, what was why did you make that move? I had just been in New York for like six or seven years at that time, and uh, you know, life was all right, but I really kind of felt like I hadn't really like established like the friend group or whatever that I like really wanted. Like I just hadn't really mm. like I had spent so much time just like in my room working on this website, and then like. My life outside of that was just riding bikes with like whoever, like just going to the skate park, yeah. riding around looking for spots with like, you know, I'm like at that point, I'm like 27 and like I'm riding bikes every day with like the 15 year old Puerto Rican kid across the street. Like, because who the fuck else is like down to ride bikes all day? I'm like starting right. to realize like, fuck, like maybe I'm like into the point where I need to take this career part of it. Cause you know, like when, when the website blew up, it was like on one hand, I was like, 
this is all I ever wanted. On the other hand, like the the way I would have thought of it now is like, oh, let's turn this shit into a real business. Yeah. And it like that was just like a struggle for me at the time because I was just really obsessed with the culture of just like riding bikes every day and just having fun, you know, and like uh at a certain point, I was just kind of like, you know what? If I move to the West Coast, and I also knew I hated the cold. Yeah. Right. And I was just like, if I move out there, that's where the whole industry is. I could probably make more money from like actually being around these companies. There's, you know, the spots are crazy out there. The weather's good. Like, I, I you know, like I was really like spending like, you know, months in my apartment of like looking out the window, yeah. not being able to go ride bikes. And at a certain point, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Just like staring at the snow. This is so stupid. <laughs> you know? So at a certain point I just moved and I, I never, I never really even like thought about moving back. Yeah. Me either, man. No, no. We both moved here from New York. Yeah, like once yeah. you get out, it's like, That's, fuck man. I feel like semi-retired. You're right. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like a vacation town. Yeah. And, uh, going back, like the people you're growing up with, like high school and that time, there weren't. I'm imagining there weren't a lot of like black kids there, or or was it mixed? Or you know, like it was a decent mix in the sense that I feel like my high school, if I had to totally guess, might have been like ten percent black, or like. Okay. But then there was like a lot of Puerto Rican kids really? and like a lot of Asian kids and stuff. So I was like grew up around pretty decent mix you know it wasn't like you know people of color were like a mystery to me it was right, definitely right. a big minority but like because i was gonna go like with like were people tripping on you for listening to hip-hop was it because i know like, in new hampshire up, too, yeah yeah new hampshire i don't know like us growing up i remember when you get tripped off listening to punk though right mm. that's why i'm asking <laughs> yeah. like, people are like yo what's you know like yeah. there were black people like yo what the fuck you listening <laughs> why to you riding a skateboard? they're like why are you riding a skateboard why are you trying to grow dread mm. dreads you're like, you need to comb your hair. And I said this before. Why are you, you vegan? Know, they were tripping on They just didn't know. And also, I was listening to really aggressive hip-hop. Mm. And so other people were like, yeah, like gangster rap, it just started yeah. coming in. And it was like, I don't know. I, I like, I remember that when I was like 13, 14, 15, okay. when I was like junior high, where it was very much like rap kids. And then like, punk slash alternative like Like, it was very split and very split along like racial lines too where it was like almost 100 percent of the black kids and the puerto rican kids and shit would be into rap wearing tommy hilfiger nautica jordans yeah exactly and then you have the other side was like jinkos band shirts fucking you know whatever bands yeah and like um, it's weird because like I kind of like might have let that get to me a little bit where I remember like having conversations with my friends where there would be like, bro, like you cannot listen to youth of today and Jay-Z like what? Right. you cannot, yeah. you cannot because right. they're, they are, they stand for different things. Like, you know, like Jay-Z what is materialistic. Is he's talking about diamonds and bitches and shit. And, and then you to today's opposite, and, and, you know, and like, and that kind of like, I kind of saw the point, wow. but at the time I kind of knew that I was ahead of my time. And in the sense that I was like, nah, this shit is all fire. I'm not going to limit That's myself, up, you know, yeah. and, and, and really like throughout my life, I've just seen that wall get broken down more and more and more. So yeah, it's like, absolutely. I'm kind of glad that I never like was like, okay, I have to choose one. Right. Cause I don't think anybody feels like they have to choose one now. No, you know? dude. Okay. That's why it's interesting. Like when I things about it, like knowing you know about punk rock and all that stuff and just hearing you were straight edge, you know about all that stuff, but then getting hip hop. That's exactly, we lived in the melting pot in New York was all that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a youth of today tattoo and a Jay-Z, Jay-Z tattoo. Like all my shit's like, that's how we grew up, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, Tribe, Daylon, fucking Ramones, yeah, yeah, Agnostic it Front. All, it was all good. You know? Yeah, everything I mean, was all. You know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like when I back then, even when, like when 
bands were wearing, even like when Lil Wayne started rocking Travis's famous shit, mm-hmm. and the Warp Tour started having hip hop on them when Black Eyed Peas. Right, I was on that yeah, tour, yeah. Eminem was on. All that stuff started merging. It's such a beautiful moment because growing up, all the punk skate videos you watched were only punk music in the background. Bones Brigade, all that shit. Absolutely. And then hip hop started going there. Even Pharrell and fucking Nerd and all, even Lou Fiesco, all that shit. When it all started merging, I was so psyched. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Outkast is everything. Too, I was like, finally. Punk rock, hip hop, skateboarding, BMX, all that shit. Like like BMX, like the videos I grew up watching, all indie rock, punk, yeah. hardcore, yeah. etc. And then o- over the years, like there was this company based Brooklyn in 1999, okay. and they put out a video, and it was like all hip hop for the soundtrack, besides maybe like one song, stood out like crazy. People were mad as fuck about it. <laughs> like you know, like you put all this fucking stupid ass music. Like you, nobody's gonna watch your video because it's all rap, etc. But then, like, you know, fast forward, like, I, I saw that wall get broken down where, like, immediately after that, Animal was, like, the the New York City company oh, yeah, for yeah, BMX. Yeah. And their videos were, like, probably, like, 80% rap. And it was, like, they became the hottest brand by far because they wow. actually represented, like, a real yeah. New York kid perspective. Yeah. And then even, like, all right, 20, I'm going to say, like, 2013, like, we put out a bunch of... Uh, videos from my, my uh, BMX brand on some shit yeah. that were edited to like these Gucci Mane songs that were off his Trap God mixtapes at the time, which was like the best Gucci mixtapes. Like, well, I, I don't want to say that because he's had so many great ones, but like really fire. But I mean, it's Gucci. He's like got a mumbly ass voice. Yeah. He raps slow as fuck on a lot of these songs. And oh my God, it, you would not <laughs> believe how many people. But it was funny because like by that point, they wouldn't say anything racist. They would just say like the music was trash. Whereas in 1999, it was way more likely to be straight up racist, yeah, you know? Yeah, right. But I mean, even then I remember just thinking like, okay, like wh- whatever you say, whatever you say, like you, you guys tell me this music sucks. Fine. Damn. You fast forward a year, two years, every B- sorry, every sorry. BMX kids videos <laughs> are edited to Gucci Mane and wow. all this trap shit. And I'm just like, that's when I knew. I'm like, I just know. Like, I'm wow. never listening to anybody again about music because it's yeah. just, I have an ear for it. A lot of people don't. They're just not going to be able to catch up. I feel like so mm. many of those years just like DJing for the van, ro- driving around, lighting up rails and shit in the middle of the night, riding <laughs> BMX. That was actually what like really made me like push myself to like find more and more and more underground rappers and shit because I was like really trying to entertain all these fucking dudes I was hanging out with and I was yeah, loving yeah. it even though like I remember playing Young Thug in like 2010 and having them be like turn this off like this is terrible <laughs> and I'm like no you just you guys just aren't ready yet yeah you yeah. remember nonfiction, Ill Bill Necro all that yeah I mean I was never that into that shit but yeah it's underground still. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I was Coconostra. like, I, I was I used to listen to Jedi Mind Tricks a lot. Oh, like yeah, Jedi, yeah. I lost my virginity to Jedi Mind Tricks when I was 18. Wow. <laughs> and what about, and so no jump with that song is a Gucci Mane song. Is that from that, those damp, that early st- stuff or was it? That's from, uh, fuck, what song was it? Oh, the, the, the verses. 95 Air Max because I'm a dope runner, balling like an athlete, but got no jumper. And when we we like just found that because we just made a huge list of like a lot of different like rap, yeah, lyrics basically, and like just looked at all these different hard lyrics, and there was like a bunch of them I wanted to use that like no jumper could easily be called up north trips, okay, because that was just a bar that I thought was hard as fuck. But then there was already <laughs> a blog called that, so I'm like, oh, we can't do that. But, um, and Gucci's cool with you using it probably at this point. Yeah, yeah, he had me come to the club in Miami one time and like tap in with him. And I was on stage with him, Guy Fieri, Shaq. We're all like <laughs> in the section in Club Live. Wow. And he's just like, he, he showed me love. He like, you know, like talked to me for like a couple minutes, went back wow. to doing what he was doing. I'm like, he left. I'm like still in a section just hanging out with Guy Fieri. 
Because usually it's a sample. They the publishing comes after usually. He never has yeah. a, tried to claim That's it. Cool. If, if he did want to claim it, I would just have to like silence that on yeah. every single video. For we, it we only helps. It all helps each other. We don't even use it anymore. But if okay. we wanted to, we could just remove it from every video, which would be a kind of a bummer. But yeah, um, hopefully it never. And jumper anything. was a nickname for you? No, it was just okay. Okay, he just says balling like an athlete, but got no jumper. I.e., I'm rich as fuck, but it's from selling drugs, not playing basketball. So yeah, I like that because I was like. I'm going to do something that sort of celebrates people who are maybe not famous for the most obvious thing. That's why I think it's funny that I just interviewed Hellrell because, like, to me, that was, like, one of the ones early on where I was like, you know, I might not ever get a Cameron interview, but I'm going to get a fire Hellrell interview, you know? <laughs> like, I might sick. not ever get a Juicy J interview, but I'm going to get a Gangsta Boo interview. And I got her, like, super early on, you wow. know? And uh, now it's like, you know, I know Cameron and shit, but he's still being bougie about doing an interview. But, you know, it's like... Cameron be sick. I just kind of always... Yeah, I met Cameron because Ben Baller walked me up to him backstage. Like, he got off performing in Long Beach at this festival, and Ben Baller walks me right up to him and goes... Cam, this is Adam Twenty Two from No Jumper. He's the best interviewer in the world. Wow. And Cam was like, "All right, all right." Like, <laughs> I don't know if he really gave a fuck, but that was it. I did get a good intro there. Yeah, that's a sick intro. You watch that versus, obviously. Uh, to be honest, I think the only ones I seen was the Jeezy versus Gucci oh, and man. the Locks. That's what I'm saying. Uh, the Locks. That's, that's what I'm talking about. It's incredible, yeah. man. Incredible. There should be Jay Z Nas would be fucking amazing, man. It's crazy that, that Ja Rule and Fat Joe are doing I know, that. I know. It's Nobody wants to re- see that. It's like I an know. exhibition bout. We want 50, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 50 in game would be dope, right. too. Yeah. That'd be a sick one, but too. But that's like 50 beefs for real. Like, he really hates the people he beefs with so much I that know. I don't really know if it'll happen. Yeah. So you, you, you seem like you're in a good place now in your life. Amazing. I'm yeah. so happy. Yeah. Family, all that stuff. Yeah. I just feel like I'm like kind of at the place now that I was like working towards my whole life like that I always wanted to be in in terms of you know the business in terms of my family in terms of the content you know like I just uh, we're in the process right now of signing because I'm buying like a fucking four million dollar building to fucking do no jumper out of now which is like I always wanted to not pay rent and just be able to just buy a spot and just fucking do all our content out of there and just be able to make way more content so I'm just like overjoyed you know wow man do you have any major regrets in your life well, I bought an NFT the other day for one hundred sixty thousand, and it was it was eighty thousand dollars the day before that. So, what? Holy and now shit. it's worth four hundred something thousand. So that was definitely a regret that it took me like a day and a half to transfer the Ethereum over. But you know, holy oh, NFT shit, right? All the art, yeah. online art. Also, yeah. I have many other regrets. That's just the first one that popped in my mind. <laughs> that, that's the most. Re- that's and the also, most recent one. it was me and my girl went halves on it. So. Wow, it's your first only, NFT? O- only half of the profit is ours. Yeah, yeah. That's the only one I ever bought, yeah. Are you going to buy any more? <sighs> I don't even know what the fuck it is, to I'm, be honest. I'm extremely uh, into the, the crypto punks and not that into, like, you know, everybody else trying to be the crypto punks. So, I mean, I, I have some faith in it, but I'm definitely not going to go, like, spend, like, 20 grand on a penguin just because just cause the punk made sense, you know? I don't know. But not, not to say that there's anything not long term about that but I, I just felt so strongly about the punks that i just went all in you know would you make uh no jumper nfts i want to yeah i was talking to some people about it and then we kind of fell off of the conversation but i really feel like it's a dope opportunity with it for sure you know what nft shit is yeah yeah, yeah. you don't physically own it you don't physically have it in your possession on your wall right just something online but they have these cool ass like uh nft like you know screens that you can have in your house now that'll like plug directly into your nft wallet so that you can have it showing your collection in your home, which I feel like I might do, even though right now it would just be one punk. But yeah. 
You know, I saw hundreds doing, saw a bunch of people do it. Mad Ball yeah, did it. Like yeah. a lot of people were doing it. It's like, oh, fuck, we need to get hip to this. Like a separator one or something. Yeah, yeah. We you guys thought about it? about it, yeah. I, I have a couple other NFTs, but I mean, they're all worth like a couple hundred bucks. And then I have one that's worth like almost half a million dollars. So I feel like I'm just not going to acknowledge the other ones. <laughs> Holy fuck. And also this Kendama, that's what it's called, Kendama? Yeah. You know the thing with the fuck? You ever seen the Kendama stuff he does? No. It's this thing you hold and the ball. I, I don't know what the fuck. What's it even come from? It's like a it's a, a Japanese um, tradition, basically. Okay. They're like kids in Japan will have this. It's like a ball with a stick and you just sort of like I've catch seen. it he on the really cups good. and then you can catch it on the spike and stuff. And there's like a whole community based around it. And I just got turned on to it maybe like five years ago from a friend of mine right as it was kind of starting to get popular in the u.s and uh yeah we just started making them and now we like sponsor like a pro kendama team and like we we'll have we send these dudes to events and we have like signature kendamas and we have these crazy long Fuck. kendama videos of them doing crazy ass tricks and shit it's it's pretty out there but i mean it for me personally it's kind of like a more like low impact version of bmx in the sense of like what i love about bmx more than like the actual act of riding a bike is i love the idea of just like having a trick in mind you try it mad times you finally get it you're fucking in pain and but you did it you know it's like that's just like that process of going through that is like infinitely meaningful to me but you know i am 37 and my fucking back hurts sometimes (laughs) and like you know i just like am not able to like you know the bmx thing like my life as a bmx rider was like I would leave the house at noon and I would go out for 10 hours just yeah. hanging out, riding bikes all day. I cannot do that because my time is just way too occupied, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I just got too much shit going on. But I still, like, last Sunday I went out and just rode with the guys for, like, four or five hours. But with the Kendama, I could just pull it out of my backpack and just fuck with it. And it yeah, just you gives, kill it with that, it gives me that same satisfaction of, like, just wanting to learn something and like, people with my hands. people compete with that, too? Crazy. Go yeah. go to YouTube, type in "no jumper kendama," okay, and you'll see this video of this dude Wyatt that we signed to our team. He's like he was like the world champion one year and shit, and he's like, it's fucked. Like he will go to the park for like eight hours and try one trick, filming himself. Wow! Like the level of dedication, his hands will be bloody. Like you've never seen anything like this, bro. It's you never fucked. heard that shit before. Hands, no, no, I know, I know, I know. If you see it, you know, like. Yeah, what it I know, is. I, I've definitely seen it, but I, I don't know anything about it. Now. Wow. And then only a couple more. I know. You know, I really appreciate your no, time. No, that's cool. You have any top? Right here. Oh, that's right there. Yeah, yeah. That toy. Oh. I don't know if you ever seen you know, it before. No. Well, two things. Well, one yeah. is that I know you talked about it publicly recently. That's why I don't feel we're bringing it up. I mentioned you, but <laughs> people, all my friends listening, have been making fun of my hairline my whole entire <laughs> life. I have a widow's peak. <laughs> I don't up until yesterday, even you guys were sending images of Ernie and Bert. We were. Okay, I, I got a, I got a high military fade, which I haven't had since the 90s because I was supposed to get my head tattooed by Dan Smith. Love you, Dan Smith. When I got down there, everything placement didn't work on my head. So now I'm getting no tats on my head. Now I have this whack-ass fucking high fade Marine military bullshit. But then I saw Adam talking about how he came out openly... He wasn't really excited about time. He just came out. He started talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, I was really in the zone. Like, I, you, you know, because I first did this like eight years ago yeah. or some shit. Because yeah, I, I had it done twice. But like wow. eight years ago. 2013, you had it done in 2019. Right, yeah. I mean, I was like 29, 28, whatever. And I like, I was embarrassed because, you know, especially at that time, I'm hanging out with all these young ass BMX pros and stuff, filming them every day. So it especially just made me feel like an old head. Like, why the fuck am I thinking? Of, you know, I'm like, but I'm like 28, 29 at that point. So it's like, you know, it's not that uncommon. And uh, yeah, I went for it. 
And like, also it was like a lot of money to me at the time. Cause it was, yeah. I spent like three grand on my first one yeah. and it really felt like, Oh fuck. Like I don't want anyone to know that I was like self-conscious enough to spend that much money. But I mean, in reality, like, and now I, I had it done again a couple of years ago yeah. and, and that one was like 12,000. So like, you know, I've uh, actually put a decent amount of money into it, but it looks good, man. I appreciate wow. it. I mean, I don't feel any embarrassment now. Like I, I don't even remember why I was embarrassed. Like I've seen, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a dude, oh, a lot of rappers are getting lined up too and they're oh, talking yeah. about it. And that's part of it is that the rappers just talk about it's it. Something. Why the it. fuck am I not going to talk about it if you got, you know, Tory Lanez Tory and Lanes, Tyga yeah. talking about it or whatever. You and ill hairline, bro. Yeah. <laughs> or just get a tattoo. Or, or just get a whole head tattoo with a fucking I mean, it's line. better than... I almost the, did that. You know, yeah. Like, what is the... Uh, but it's painful. I can't even remember. It's not that bad. No? They cut the back and shit though, right? And they put it in the front? The first one I got, they cut a big strip out of it. The second one I did, they just take it follicle by follicle. Wow. So it's it's nothing. And honestly, like, bro, I've had so many friends hit me up and basically just be like, give me your doctor's info. I'm doing it. You it know, and like completely natural. I know. Like you would never be able to. Tell. I mean, my attitude it's, is it's that like, hair, dude. You, you know what somebody pointed out to me? And this is somebody who I've had uh, issues with in the past, but it's, this is not <laughs> indicative of that at all. But somebody was like, look at Machine Gun Kelly before he got his hairline done. And look at him now. And when you look at him, when he had the crazy widow's peak, I'm sorry, like, you just do not end up dating Megan Fox with your hair looking like that. And, you know, that's no diss to him at all. Because, like, I mean, probably my girl would be looking at me like, maybe you should do something about it if I never uh, mm. had my hair done, you know? So it's like, I just feel like all these girls are out here getting fake tits, fake asses, fucking collagen, lips and shit, fucking Botox in their face, like... I feel nothing. I feel no shame. Like yeah. there's a dude from the, the vlog squad, uh, which is like David Dobrik's thing. And he was making mad TikToks, just talking about it. And he's really? like younger and more attractive than me. I was like, fuck, if this dude's talking about it, what the hell do I have to be embarrassed about? You know? And you're super happy with it, right? He was super happy. I'm like, well, all right, fuck it. Your shit looks fucking good, man. I'm almost yeah. like, yeah, and it, I guess it, it really is like, it makes you happy. Yeah, exactly. That's... It's like, you know, it just gave me an extra degree of confidence. It's, it's by far the biggest plastic surgery, you know, cosmetic surgery that a guy, yeah. that right. guys do. Like what, what else would you even think right. that nah. a guy would do? That's like, true. There's almost nothing. Yeah. You it's know? your hair. Cause hair's the main thing. Like, yeah. And you was all scabbed up for a while and you were like, it's only a couple of days. It's really, yeah. it's not that bad at all. No. Um, do you consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? Optimist to a, to a fault. I can yeah. see that. I have a hard time seeing the negative side us of things. Too, man. Us too, man. Mm -hmm. PMA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see that in you. Cause you've you've been focused from the beginning of everything. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like you've been focused to be where you're at right now. You know? Yeah, that's like the weird position I'm at in my life right now, where I feel like I've been grinding since I was like a kid to get to this point. Yeah. And that now I'm like kind of there, and I just don't want to fuck it up. I just don't want to like you know. I just want to like keep going hard and just keep. You know, it's like it's easy to get distracted by being like, oh, I've had all this success doing this one thing. Maybe I should do something completely different. Maybe I should take a bunch of time off. Maybe I should, you know, and it's like, for me, it's like, nah, like I, I, I really, I think about it. I, I kind of do want to take like a month off in like January and just like, well, sabbatical, maybe like write a book nice. or some shit. Yeah. Just sort of like, you know, explore my mind a little bit, but I don't know. It's like at the same time, you give I, so much time to other people. Yeah. And a lot, a big part of me is just like, <clears throat> you know, you've done over a thousand podcasts with all these people. You, you know, that, that's a big thing that like, is a corollary with the, the NFT thing is that like old shit is important. Like everybody I've ever interviewed is going to die. And for a large percentage of those people, when they die, their family and their friends and their fans and the people that appreciate their music are going to go back 
and look at that. And that's going to be a fucking document to like help you yeah. understand them. You know, like their kids yeah, are going to see that shit. Maybe like, you know, not like a lot of the people I interviewed have only done. Maybe, maybe that's their only interview. Maybe they only did a couple like, you know, like that X interview is still in our top five interviews right now. Like this wow. month, like in competition with all the interviews that I put out, that got like a million views like this month, that interview is still number five. Like wow. that's fucking crazy. And there's that over and over and over has happened to me where I see the importance of the content where yeah. the person blows up and becomes huge. And that interview just is like a blueprint of who they were when they were 21. And, and that is like such an addictive thing. And I kind of feel like I just haven't had enough of it. And I just want to keep leaning yeah. into it and just doing more and more because, you know, not only is it, great business wise but it's also just like i just believe that you it's love doing important it. you know i yeah. love the feeling of doing it i feel like i've gotten really good at it i don't know if i'm gonna want to do it when i'm 50 but i definitely want to do it when i'm 37 and probably 40 and probably yeah. 45 so i'm not really like planning on you know i just don't want to like switch shit up too much when it's going good i feel because like, it feels like kind of it just started getting good over like the last couple of years really you know you have a lot of people working for you now you have a big team yeah i got like 10 people uh full-time wow. and like a bunch of people doing other shit on the side yeah that one X video, I'm sure you see it, where he's like in this little room, looks like a bathroom or bedroom, and he's singing a song, and then this, it's a split screen, then it's him playing the same song, thousands of people. It's like, looks like he's just recording like in a fucking oh, yeah. bathroom, mm. and then my son showed it to me, and then it's like that same song, thou, everybody's singing it. was It's fucking ma amazing, man. Yeah, he was I mean, super talented. Witnessing man. his career, like if I needed anyone to like let me know just like how big a rapper could get from my platform, from nothing. Yeah. I mean, I saw him go from like absolutely nothing to like one of the biggest artists in the world in the course of a couple of years and then saw him get killed. So it's like, okay, you got the whole process, the whole yeah. story arc of life right there. So it's like, I'm not taking anything for granted because right. they could pop me too and I could fall off too. Like, or not, he didn't, he never got a chance to fall off. But I mean, I just seen every, I seen this shit happen over and over and over so i'm just trying to you know make the best of it while i'm in the in my prime i guess you ever get worried about that people trying to like fuck with you or something i know that whole the gun thing that happened that was back then yeah. and you ever get worried about your safety because i don't know you're dealing with all kinds of people every day definitely people try to um, ship a clout or whatever that is you know you know it's like i i, I wouldn't say i'm like worried but i'm like very very on point you yeah. know and it's like the surroundings yeah, and like that was one of the biggest priorities with this new space that we are uh, attempting to purchase right now is like we just need to make this shit a fucking compound where yeah. nobody can pull up without us realizing what's going on or whatever. So I mean, I'm just trying to be as smart as possible with everything. You know, I just move as intelligently as possible because definitely people who want to kill me, but I'm not trying to let them get a shot. <laughs> Do people try to send threats to you and fuck with you a lot? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I'm tapped in with some of the realest gangsters in LA who fucking yeah. if something were to happen to me it would be like something happening to them so I'm not really you know it's like but I'm, I'm not worried about people who got their head screwed on straight like the dude who broke into the store and put the gun to my head he was a fucking psychopath who was fried off drugs and had DM me 50 times and I never responded wow. so you know that that's who I have to worry about is crazy people right yeah. you know I feel like I move respectfully I, I interview people who got beef with each other and they hate each other and it don't doesn't usually come back to me because I fucking have the conversation in such a way that I'm not disrespecting people, you know? So Yeah, you feel like you've been brought people together too, a mediator for different things too by having... Yeah, and I tell people, like, I've, I've interviewed people who really... I interview someone and then I'll interview someone else a couple weeks later and they have, like, 
murderous beef. Like if they saw each other, they would shoot each other 100%. Wow. And even had, had one of them tell me like, bro, like why are you interviewing him? Like we have real problems. Like his side killed my brother. And I'm like, you have to realize that we can be cool or we can not be cool. But what you have to understand is that what I'm doing is bigger than that. Like what I'm doing when, by giving people a voice who are from nothing, like this is a kid from the projects. Like I understand that his side did whatever to your people, but I can't withhold an opportunity to him just because I fuck with you. You know, it's like, I'm really like seeing over and over and over the power of just giving somebody a voice and yeah. what they can then do with that. And it's a big responsibility in a sense too. Yeah, though. And I can't have that compromised by street politics, you know? So yeah. sometimes I got to be careful and I got to, I can't interview this month because it's going to look like I'm co-signing you in the beef with this dude, but wow. give me, give me three politics. months and then we'll do it and then it'll be good. You know? And it's like, I just, I'm careful, but yeah, also, you, you know, I got, you know, I, I talk to the right people who are really like in charge of this shit. So there's a lot of politics involved. Yeah. It seems that way. Any more questions yeah. for this young man? Nah, I think that's it for I me. I really man. appreciate your time. And this is like, yeah, I know you're a busy person and I'm glad we connected and oh, yeah, it, was a blast. it seems like we come from the same worlds yeah. you know what i mean east coast and punk and all that stuff and BMX. yeah when laura hit me up i was like about the podcast i was like i, I thought I, I thought i was getting catfish i was yeah, like this guy even today even saying like is this guy really gonna come to my house i haven't <laughs> talked to him or talked to anybody <laughs> she, i looked her up and yeah we talked on the phone she's awesome yeah so, she yeah. uh i didn't even know she was gonna send that message but she, <laughs> she saw your your comment on the danny interview yeah, 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 and yeah. she was just like oh would you would you do a podcast with him i'm like yeah of course she, she hit you up she sometimes she does some She'll hit up weird people for interviews yeah. occasionally, and I'll be like Laura, like. But for the most part, she's very in tune with who I want to fuck with. So yeah, she's, man, yeah. she's very valuable. Yeah, good luck with everything in the future and your family and all that, man. It seems like you're in a place and appreciate it, man. Yeah, you're out here, man. Anything Thank else, Derek? Separator. No, that's it, man. Thanks for your time <laughs> and, you, and your wonderful voice. <laughs> you're a busy man. How many podcasts you have today? Just uh, I have to do uh, Travi from Gym Class Heroes, and yeah. then I just have to do my weekly talk shit with the homies podcast the no jumper show which we do every tuesday at 6 p.m people should tune in <laughs> california time and say what's up to travi for me too I'm an old friend of mine man good for fucking sure. human that's cool uh, you're doing that it's gonna trip out you told me came from my house and shit it's awesome yeah, i was just interviewing uh gata who's the oh have yeah, you, yeah have you yeah. watched a little dicky show yeah, we met yeah, we met him recently yeah, yeah, yeah. he's but, dope because i was interviewing him and then he was talking about how back in the day it was the label's idea to pretend that tyga was travi's cousin to basically wow. like give the people a reason. Cause at that time, and this is Gator's words, he's like, the labels didn't know how to make sense of a light skinned black kid with tattoos who was cool, but not a gangster. Wow. So they, they wow. had to say that he was related to Travi. And I was like, bro, that's fucking crazy. That's crazy. And it's even crazy that you guys are just talking about it honestly now and just acknowledging that that was bullshit. Dude, that's fucking <laughs> But that gives you a window into how fucking weird the rap world was even 10 or 11 years yeah. ago. Right, right. Where yeah. it's like, you know, now, like if you have like a cool young black kid with tattoos and he's got some shit to say, you know, nobody would think like, oh, we have to like they're not gonna understand yeah you know? I love like, Gator, but at yeah. that time it was like i love gator man he's yeah, fucking awesome man. i want that dude yeah. to do great things in life he's super positive i love that yeah, dave show definitely. that he's... dave show's putting little dicky in a whole different fucking world man oh, yeah, it's no crazy because i don't yeah. even know any of his records but now i fuck with him because of that show and show super creative if you want some clickbait <laughs> you gotta watch the mc search interview when it comes oh. out because he talks about why his tv show didn't come out because of little dicky's tv show what? oh okay. beef Clickbait. What hood is this? Um, <laughs> all right, um, thank you so much. My pleasure. Appreciate you guys for real. That was awesome. 
Hey y'all, Liquid Death's been so kind to give me a promo code. So for your first purchase on liquiddeath.com, go to liquiddeath.com slash OLOC and you get a free set of koozies with your first purchase of H2O, still or sparkling. Uh, if not, you could try it also at Whole Foods or 7-Eleven. Use the promo code OLOC for your first purchase of Liquid Death. Thank you, Liquid Death, for your support. Appreciate you so much. Murder your thirst. H2O saves lives, y'all.